We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy for Swayze. Then we'll talk about it. We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy for Swayze. Then we'll talk about it. Hello. And welcome back to another episode of Crazy for Swayze. I'm your host, Vince Troya, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Josh Young. Josh, how are you doing on this Valentine's Day? Ghostly. Ghostly? I'm feeling ghostly. Oh, we, we've got a treat. We're doing ghosts today. We're doing a special Valentine's ghost episode, love-a-thon, love-fest, Josh I'm excited because I've never seen this movie before. Me neither. This is this is a brand new experience for the two of us. Now, Josh, this movie came out in 1990. What else happened in 1990? I'm um, not too sure. I can't think of anything either. It was the year before I was born, so I don't remember. It was the year after I was born, so I don't remember either. Hell yeah. But this movie came out in 1990 on July 13th to be exact. It's PG-13. It's 127 minutes long, and it was Patrick Swayze's 12th film. Now, it came directly after Next of Kin and right before Point Break, and it was directed by Jerry Zucker, the guy who did Rat Race. Hmm. Man, this is peak Swayze. Dude, this is Swayze. I uh, am really excited about this because I've heard about Ghost. So so long. It's the one that people tell us we got to watch. Everyone has said that we have to watch this one. I don't know why I haven't watched it. I am excited for this experience, man. We've just been holding out. I yeah. mean, well, I mean, like we wanted to make sure we could do it justice. Justice, you know. This has got a stacked cast. I wanted to be able to to have a little bit of a, a repertoire, uh, repertoire, rapport, rapport. One of those, you know, with you. Wanted to make sure we could express ourselves appropriately because we've got we've got Demi Moore from G.I. Jane and St. Elmo's Fire in this. We've got Whoopi Goldberg, Tony Goldwyn, and Stephen Root, man. Stephen Root. A young Stephen Root. Yeah. Stephen Root. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he looked like in 1990. I bet he looked exactly the same. Yeah. But he's got kind of like a grizzled thing going on. Yeah, he's got a very unique look about him anyway. But yeah, I'm excited to see what he looks like. Because like, we're so used to seeing him in Barry mm-hmm. and uh, Office Space when he was like playing a character and stuff like that. Yeah. So like, I'm fucking excited, man. Love a character actor. So if if anyone else is like us and hasn't seen this, uh, we are going to be looking at... As my DVD copy tells me. You've got it right in front of you. It's unopened. It's unopened. I got this at a family video closing for five ninety nine. It's the special collector's edition. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And uh, I remember going up to the counter and being like, hey, can you give this to me for $3? And she said, no. And, and you said, said, well, I guess it's worth 6 I said, okay. I'll take it for 6 But Sam played by Patrick Swayze, is a living ghost. He discovers his death wasn't just a random robbery gone bad. To help him reconnect with the love of his life, Molly, played by Demi Moore, and solve his own murder, he enlists the special talents of the skeptical, psychic, Oscar-winning Whoopi Goldberg, who doesn't believe her own abilities. Ghost is a supernatural mystery thriller 
that will cross over into your heart and never leave. Dude, this sounds amazing. It's going to cross over into our hearts and never leave. Well. We're going to be haunted by this movie forever, romantically. Yeah, romantically? Yeah. Well, dude, I uh, I don't wanna I don't wanna wait any longer. Do you want to get into this? I don't want to wait any longer. Fuck yes, let's watch it. Josh, I loved it. I loved it too. That was such a good movie. Who is craziest for Swayze in this movie? Uh, I'm not sure because Molly, definitely crazy for Swayze. Yeah, everyone was gaslighting her the whole time too. Yeah, Molly was definitely crazy for Swayze, but Oda May, she felt crazy because of Swayze. Yeah. Right? In 90s America. Yeah. Swayze make you crazy. <laughs> and Carl felt crazy because of Swayze. Yeah, of course, Carl. <laughs> Carl. You know? So, I, I'm sure I'm sure Willie felt crazy, too, at some points. That guy seems like he had, like, a simple life. Yeah. And he got hired to do a job, and the job went bad, and his whole life collapsed. Willie, kind of a tragic character. Willie was. He didn't. He didn't mean to. Uh, okay, like did, did he? He was just hired to steal his wallet, right? Right. And he Swayze fought him. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to fight him. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Whoever hired him was it Carl who actually hired him? Yeah. Okay, so Carl should have known that Swayze knows how to fight. What a fucking idiot! Look yeah. At guy. I don't know what Carl was thinking for most of the movie. Yeah, he was just, like, completely out of his mind. Yeah, he was so sweaty. From the very beginning, like, he seems smooth, and then he he just slowly deteriorates, quickly deteriorates into a sweaty fucking mess. What do you think was cool about Carl? Well, it's cool that he was the president on Scandal. That was cool. Like, I thought that that first conversation that we really get to see Carl in, you know, like, when they're in the elevator, right in the beginning of the film... Um, and he and Swayze were playing around and saying, like... Who initiates oh, yeah. it? I think it was, like... <laughs> I think he just had a cough, and yeah. then Swayze yes-anded him an, into uh, creeping yeah. out everybody in the elevator and yeah. giving them all, uh, you know, coronavirus. Yeah, saying that he had an extremely contagious cough and a rash that stirred at his genitals and everything. So it's like, I guess he was kind of cool during that because that was like a fun bit. But like, I'd hate to be another person on that fucking elevator, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just thought it was kind of smooth how he got the uh, access number from Swayze there, Uh, you know, because Swayze needed him to do something with it. Yeah. 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 And he used it for nefarious ends. Dude. Like in the very first scene, it's it happens, you know? So so you think that Carl was, like, setting this up for the very beginning? No, Carl has a boss. Yeah, yeah. And he never appears on screen. Correct. Yeah. Dude. That guy ordered him to do all that shit. Okay. okay. Well, I mean, like a Dr. Claus situation. I'm picking up what you're laying down. Yeah, yeah. So what what do you feel as if, like, really made this movie? Because this movie has 
has got some clout behind it, man. How do you feel having seen it now? Like, did it live up to your expectations? Did you hear anything that uh, maybe you didn't see or vice versa? Well, it, I mean, it was pretty spooky right at the beginning, and that gave yeah. me all the spookiness I needed out of the movie. Yeah. Uh, I'd say it met my expectations. I mean, like, there was, there was things that exceeded my expectations, but nothing fell short. What do you think exceeded your expectations? Uh, the spookiness at the beginning, um, and like uh, when he dies, that that's pretty intense. Like that's a pretty artful. Like it's it's almost a David Lynch thing that happens when he dies. Like he just flashes through like uh, uh, fake realities and memories and what's going on, and he's having an out of body experience. Yeah, just real quick, and then yeah. all of a sudden, like <clears throat> I thought that was cool when he died and when um, when Willie dies. Mm-hmm. How it shows the ghost mm-hmm. then continuing the motion that the body would have been doing mm-hmm. if the body hadn't died. Oh, yeah. Like, I thought that was really interesting because when when Swayze gets shot, you hear the shot, mm-hmm. and then you see Swayze run away with Willie, right? Yeah, yeah, he's chasing him. Right, and I was like, oh, shit, did he shoot fucking Molly? Is she you know? the ghost? You Is didn't she know. the ghost? Did they really, like, you know, get us? And uh, <clears throat> then it turns around, and you see... Molly holding Sam's body, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's sick!" You know, mm-hmm. it was very much like a sixth sense. Like the person that had died didn't realize they were dead right away. I was getting severe sixth sense vibes from this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, only uh, obviously he knows he's dead. <laughs> yeah, um, but like it's got the same vibes where it's like uh, you're, it feels like you've broken up with your with your partner because you can't actually like interact with them. Yes. I don't know. Dude, that's actually the thing that Swayze said was the hardest about this role was the fact that he was playing an observer and he could only really communicate through Whoopi Goldberg's Otome, right? Mm -hmm. So he just had to watch and react to things. He couldn't be uh, a force at all in changing anything. I feel like it's more difficult for the other actors because he does respond to things yeah and if they're filming the scenes together ignoring him has got to be difficult i'd assume i'd assume so i would also assume that he just filmed the whole thing in Zack snyder's driveway and that would solve (laughs) all the problems dude that was one thing that stood out being from 1990 that there was some green screen work and like the effects that were layered on top of each other were noticeable but it didn't necessarily kill it for me. Oh, I don't. I think it actually added to it for me a little bit because right? he should seem a little. Like I said, he should have filmed the whole thing in Zack Snyder's driveway. Why not? Yeah, because he's completely outside of it. They shouldn't have to react to him as an actor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he can just roll with it, dude. I I liked it a lot. I I thought the little touch when when a ghost passed through a door. Um, like, their body kind of changed colors a little bit, right? Yeah. Kind of faded, almost. It and seemed like they were getting sucked into the doorknob or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, something like that. But then when you saw him, like, when he was green-screened and layered on top of Molly, like, it gave a little bit of a color change effect. So I think, it, like I said, it kind of added to it a little bit. Like, yeah. To the ghost mystique or mist that just around them. Yeah, like in that... Uh, fr- the scene where he's dead in the apartment and uh, Louise Guzman shows up. <laughs> yes. Uh, Willie. Willie shows up and he tries to fight Willie on the stairs. Yeah. And he's just like falling down the stairs. That was really cool. 
Dude, I liked it. And he did talk about that specifically in, in his autobiography. Yeah? Like, the stairs scene and, like, how it was kind of really difficult to film. Yeah? Yeah. Just because he had to, to act like he was falling? And he had just... to act like he was punching somebody and fall. Oh, damn. <laughs> like, that... without expecting it. That's, yeah, I can see how that could be difficult. <laughs> On a set of stairs. Yeah. And you have a fucked up knee. Dude, so I also thought that it was really kind of weird. Like, okay, everything I've ever heard about this movie is about the pottery scene, right? Yeah. They talk about it in the office. They talk about it fucking everywhere. Community. Community. There's a whole episode, yes, in community about it. Like, it's in the beginning of the movie. And we both assumed he was going to be a ghost. Right? And he wasn't. Yeah, like, so, okay, the movie opens up. With Molly and Sam and their friend Carl demoing what it looks like a loft space. Like they're they're going to be moving into it. You know, mm-hmm. we very quickly find out that Molly and Sam are a couple. That this is going to be their new home together, and you know they're just fucking chilling. He's gymnastically inclined. We learn. Yeah, he, they're they're just knocking holes in drywall and just you know having a good fucking time. Um. Molly is an artist. She is a sculptor. Mm-hmm. She works in just mixed media in general. And the, the, the gymnastics that we're first exposed to is uh, fucking, they're trying to move a statue upstairs in New York. In, into their loft, yeah. Into their loft. And they're going to be moving it from outside because that was easier than taking it up the stairs or up the elevator. Maybe there's a weight limit on the elevator. Oh, yeah, and that statue weighs like eight tons or whatever. Whatever whatever it is. So they got a pulley system rigged up. And Sam goes and grabs the beam above the window, kicks the the statue so it swings out farther, and then the momentum brings it back in and everybody catches it, you know? But they're like four floors up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, what they an are. insane move. And immediately before he does this, he scares Molly, who is hanging out the window trying to grab this statue. It's kinda, it seems kind of reckless from the beginning. Like, I understand how he gets shot. I'm like, yeah, yeah of course I'm going to fight. Like, I'm going to jump out this window also, you know? I do think that that's a, that's a very Swayze move, though. That was probably his idea. Yeah, like, oh, we're trying to get this thing in. He's like, ah, I know. I know what we'll do. And they're like, no, don't do that. <laughs> and then once they've got the the thing, the statue in the house, they go through a little bit more of the apartment, you know, and show us a little bit more of the, the furniture they moved in, the art and all that kind of stuff. And how they fixed it up so it's not spooky anymore. It's just shiny now. Yes, yes. And we're introduced to Sam's chair, which is just, it looks like a leather lazy boy, just a recliner, you know. It's a nice, nice chair. It never comes into play later. Well, it's mentioned that the chair is like a part of him and he loves the chair. Like, like Molly even mentions like, this doesn't really fit anywhere. And he's like, it fits with me, you know? Yeah. And then she's just like, oh, well, then we can paint it, you know? And he just like looks panicked for a second. But I thought that was kind of nice, like, that Patrick Swayze was like introducing like the idea that... Sometimes you don't have to have things that match and make sense all the time. Hmm. That just because you like something, mm-hmm. it's it's part of it. Then you know, yeah, it's part of his vibe. Yeah, I uh, and you know, it's also part of like a healthy relationship is being able to make concessions. Yeah, I thought that that also kind of kind of led into the next conversation when they were talking about saying "I love you." Mm-hmm. I thought that worked really well too because it was like. She she points out this doesn't really make sense. Like I don't I don't understand with the chair. And he's like, well, it makes sense to me. Like I like it. Like 
why wouldn't I do this? Just, you know, this is me. Oh, so he know? does compromise a little bit before he dies. Well, yeah, but he's like, this is this is me, you know? And then well, they start having the conversation about why Sam doesn't tell Molly he loves her. And he's like, because anybody can say I love you, and lots of people say it all the time and don't mean it. So that's why he says ditto instead. Mm-hmm, sure. And, sure. And Good I, shirk. Like, he's just, like, getting away from it. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. Deft sidestepping. Deft sidestepping? Why do you say that? I don't know. I just, like, that's a good way to get out of that conversation. I just don't say it because if I said it all the time, it wouldn't mean anything. I don't think he said, like, if he said it all the time, it wouldn't mean anything. He, I think he was implying that other people say it all the time and they don't mean it. Sure. So he wants it to mean something special. Okay. When he does say it, you know, so that's why he said something else. So he doesn't give the illusion that he doesn't mean it. Oh, I don't believe it. I, I'm not going to say I, I agree, but I guess, I guess I'm justifying it. So, well, you know, his thing is that like he has some anxieties about if he ever gets anything, then it will be taken away from him. Yeah. He doesn't want his bubble to burst. Yeah. So yeah, he, he is probably anxious about making that level of commitment to her. She asks him to get married. She proposes to him in the year 1990. Yeah, she does. <laughs> um, I kind of liked that. Yeah, me too. And he was like very taken aback and he like didn't want to accept her proposal yeah. because he's very nervous about the things that he loves getting taken away from him. Well, he also mentioned that she never talked like that before, mm-hmm. you know? So he's surprised. Yeah. It, 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 they gave him some pause because like, I could understand how that that conversation is difficult, or do just like to be to be brought up, you know? Oh, yeah, and you know he was gonna get promoted at work. He really had it all going for him, and had it all taken away from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah he that? did. He was he. We found out that Sam is a banker. I thought he was a baker for very very far into the film. How how did you think they were going to introduce that? He Dude, was dead. I don't know. I have no idea. If he was going to whisper a recipe in Whoopi's ear. I misread everything that I read about this. I thought Sam was a baker, and we're sitting there watching the beginning of the film, and he's like doing account stuff with money and numbers on Wall Street. And I'm like. I thought he was a baker. Okay, I'm just going to just, all right, I'll strap in. And then three quarters of the way through the movie, he's already dead. I'm just like, oh, he's a banker. Yeah, and you know, he's not like a Wall Street guy. He's a banker. Like, he works at a bank, right? Yeah. It's so funny because, like, now he would be like a stock trader. Yeah. Nobody works at a bank. Nobody who works at a bank has the ability to make $4 million disappear. Yeah. Yeah, so this is when we find out that Swayze works at a bank and he deals with lots of fucking money, right? And all of a sudden, a bunch of money just came up missing. Um, No, he found extra money. Oh, it was extra money? Yeah, he found extra money in accounts. And, uh, yeah. Okay. I, but I don't, like, it, no one knows where the money came from or anything. Like, they never talk about where the money comes from. Presumably, they're doing some money laundering. Yes. Presumably. But but when he finds out that there's this extra money, Carl comes in to talk to him, and he kind of mentions it in passing, right? Uh, but then he mentions that they're going to be going to a play tonight, going to see Macbeth, and that he can't, like, work late or whatever, you know? So Carl wishes him well, 
tells him, fill, let me fill me in with how it goes and all that bullshit, right? We should have paused the movie and watched Macbeth. We should have watched Macbeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just pause the movie, watch Macbeth, and jumped back into the movie. <laughs> okay, okay. Just so we know what they, their experience was. Well, he fell asleep through most of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But as they're leaving Macbeth, that's when we get the mugging scene, right? We get uh, this guy named Willie. He comes up and tries to take Swayze's wallet. And while he is doing the whole wallet rigmarole, they start fighting a little bit, start rolling around. And then Sam is shot in the chest. Uh, Yeah. Oh, wow. He's bleeding everywhere. Yeah. It was, it was that, I think that was the part that was jarring because you hear the shot off screen and then you see Willie run away and then you see Sam chasing him, right? Well, for a moment I thought Molly was chasing him. I was like, damn, is she going to beat him with her purse or what? Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. But yeah, it was Sam chasing him and we were like, oh, that's when I was thought that Molly had been shot. We turn around and you just see Molly and Sam covered in blood. Yeah, you know if Molly got shot, Swayze wouldn't chase that guy. Like, he would just pick her up and carry her to the hospital or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Run her there. And, of course, this is New York in the 90s, so it's uh, very seedy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this guy just looked like a random homeless guy coming out of the alley. And there's no nobody around, no cops within earshot, you know. Yes. The guy, the, the guy looked like he was a homeless person hanging out just... Well, the streets are his home. He's houseless. Yeah. I said homeless. Excuse I, me. I said homeless first. Uh, but yeah, he he was just trying to get his get his wallet. But then he he pieced the fuck out, right? And then we get the cops coming as uh, well, there's Molly's like that weird psychedelic them. scene while he realizes that he's dead. <laughs> and yeah, she's trying to revive him. Describe the psychedelic scene, man. It's like the uh, lights come down from the heavens. Yes, and he's also like. He oh man, he wakes up in bed, mm-hmm. and he looks over at Molly, and he's freaking out, and he turns her over, and, and she's like a cardboard dummy of some sort. And there's that angel. She's like, like a paper mache dummy, maybe. Yeah, and then the uh, angel that they were uh, lifting up to the the loft earlier uh, falls and shatters on the ground, mm-hmm. and there's like a flash of light or something. I think there's one other thing, and then it goes back to the scene on the street, and the cops are rolling up and everything. Yeah. And I said, what are they going to do, shoot him again? The next scene we have is them in the hospital, right? And we're introduced to the idea that not only is Swayze a ghost, but there are other ghosts, right? Yeah, if you turn away from the light and don't go to the light, you just become a ghost, apparently. Yes. Because presumably you could just get sucked up into the clouds, right? Well, the... Oh, yeah, the other shot was uh, him in bed with actual Molly, and she was reaching out to him, but they didn't say anything to each other. I don't know about... I, I thought was that was a hallucination or like a, an old dream or something like well, that. You know? Well, yeah, exactly. But it was part of the psychedelic sequence. I was yeah, trying yeah. to th- think of the missing image and that was it. Well, because the reason why we find out we're, we're ghosts and we can talk and all that kind of stuff is there's another ghost there kind of explaining it, saying like, yeah, I'm here for my wife. She's in the other room having a cardiac arrest. I'm going to go get her soon kind of situation. You yeah, know? and he just gives Swayze the quick lowdown. Like, you're, you're a ghost. You can walk through doors. Pretty cool. Yeah, and, and all that kind of stuff. And then we're immediately shown another man who's on an operating table who dies, and then the light shines on him, and then he immediately gets sucked up into the light, right? Like, So I think that some people can choose. Mm-hmm. May, may, maybe because 
he didn't have like he had unfinished business. Yeah, he had unfinished business. That's what ghosts are all about. I've seen Casper. Okay, well, I was just gonna ask about religion. You know? Oh yeah, okay. Is God Say, real? Well, not only is God real, because this this at least says that an afterlife is a thing, right? Yeah, and there's a good one and a bad one. Exactly. Um, so without any mention of God, we at least have afterlives. So something has to be an arbitrator of this process of going to one or the other because the bad guys immediately get sucked up. Yeah, they don't get a choice. No. No, what's well, to keep us from getting malicious ghosts? Much like the the man who went to heaven, the light shined on him and then he just immediately went up. After bad people die, they have like a few seconds to be a ghost and they're just like fucking chilling like, "Oh my god, I'm dead. I'm yeah. a ghost." And then these dementor kind of Shadow creatures? Yeah, oh, yeah, you don't know what a Dementor is. Yeah, well, I mean, like... <laughs> I forgot, damn. They they kind of... They, they look like shadows, but they have faces, but they don't have, like, distinct faces. They're just like a, like a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, it's like a, sm- a white smile on... It's a reverse jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> yeah, it's the white smile is, is silly, and then, like, no eyes. Love yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking goofy. But, yeah, so the, these things come and then drag the bad people to presumably hell. Yeah. Presumably, I've seen that movie, and that's a cool effect as well. I liked it. Yeah, I. Uh, I but see, that's why I wonder if there is a arbitrator or did, like you know, like that was what they had done before. You mm-hmm. know, like they had decided that their religions <laughs> were were the deciding factor in this. Oh you know? yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like the individual's religion. Uh huh. Maybe Swayze was a Buddhist in this. Who knows? And that's why he got to hang out for a while. Because he had no problem taking the Lord's name in vain, and Odame did not like that. God, the the Christian psychic is a odd phenomenon, is it not? It was. It was. Um, is that real? Like, are there a lot of Christian grifter psychics? I mean, all psychics are grifters, but... Is there, like, a large subset of them, do you think, that uses, like, Jesus and stuff? I don't know. Because I thought that that's, like, witchcraft and illegal in the kingdom of heaven. I think so. Like, the, I, at least it seems like witchcraft. Not, I don't know. It, yeah. Well, she it's like the shine for them. She, you know, she's not, like, practicing witchcraft. No, yes. It happens to her. Yes. That's exactly how she describes it later on in the film, that, like, it happened to her grandmother and it happened to her mother and it didn't happen to her until now. And then now that she's heard Sam, it's, like, opened up the floodgates for her. Hmm. I'm not too fond of that particular, uh, like, archetype character. Why? The, the magical outsider uh, is just... It, it's, it's overdone, and it's... Uh, Insensitive and it's otherizing, you know. Yeah, like it, it's always black people who have the magic powers, and that's just not cool to me. I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I don't know that this character needed to be black. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know if they also looked at uh, white actresses. Um, here they looked at everybody except Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, so maybe it was written for somebody white. I think it was written, like they, they were they they kept saying like yeah we're not going to hire her and like famously uh, Patrick Swayze said he wouldn't sign on to the film unless Whoopi was on. Do you, you think know? he like saw her do some good impressions and he was like huh, I love that lady? Well, he was a fan of hers. I'm not sure what work other than the color purple had been out at this point. Did she win an award for that thing? 
Uh, Color Purple won some awards. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, and she was a comedian anyway. Um, so knowing that she had to be serious and she could do serious very well. And knowing that she was funny because of all of the other work she's done, I feel like she was a very good fit. She was very funny in this movie. Yeah, and, and it, like Swayze was very open. I've watched a few interviews with Whoopi talking about it, and she's like, yeah, uh, Patrick said that he would not sign on until I at least got a shot and was offered the role. Mm-hmm. And he he, uh, he pretty handily got the role, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like they, they, they very much were like only considering a few other people, and he really wanted to do this film, so that's why he got it. Hmm. Hmm. I don't think any. I would want to see anybody else do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a piece of trivia, Josh. Do you want to know a little bit of trivia? Yeah. Do you want to know one of the other people who were considered for this role? Yeah. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis turned this role down because he did not understand how a ghost could have a relationship with a living person. I, what, what I don't understand Nine is- years later, he went on to make the sixth sense. I understand it's like you're telling me I'm a ghost, but why? They're not, and I can talk to them. <laughs> I don't come out to the coast. I have a couple laughs. Sounds like witch witchcraft to me. I don't know about that. Dude, he was he was with Demi Moore at the time also. Oh, okay. He just didn't want her kissing anybody else, probably. Well, no, that was the thing. Like he was offered the role. And he was with Demi Moore, and he's like, I don't understand it. So he passed, and then Patrick Swayze took it. He's like, yeah, I'll kiss your wife. <laughs> yeah, I'm Patrick Swayze. And think of, you can think about it every day, Brucey boy. <laughs> Those gentle caresses while, while they're, uh, you know, playing with the clay. Yes, dude. Um, I found out that Demi Moore actually went and took pottery lessons to prepare for this. Dude, she was doing good. She was doing it good as fuck, and you could see it happening right in front of her, and you could see she had this beautiful thing that was almost done. He annihilates it. (laughs) Well, I mean, it wasn't supposed to do that. Like, she was supposed to keep, like, pottery-ing. Yeah. And then it fell apart, and then the Swayze was just so charming that she was like, yeah, this is cool. We're going to keep rolling with this because this is going to work. And we can't do this more than a couple times because I am going to fuck him if we do this more than a couple times. (laughs) Dude, it was so sexy. It's very sexy and they're laughing and they're having a nice time. Yeah. I liked that. That scene was everything everyone's ever described and I thought it was great. It was very cool. I wish he had taken a pottery class. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you're doing some art here. (laughs) Uh, scooting right behind you I'm and just, just gonna squeeze fuck up this pot you're making cause it's 3 in the morning I know you know how to apply pressure just perfectly what I'm going to do is squish <laughs> squish <laughs> dude how did you feel about the funeral scene oh uh, it's Tom Sawyer man I love it dude you mentioned Carl was starting to be a little skeevy there oh yeah I felt like it was a little bit later that he became skeevy. Yeah, but like he shouldn't have been that physically comforting to his quote unquote best friend's girlfriend. Yes, he shouldn't have been. He was. She doesn't need his hand on her shoulder. I understand. That creeped me out. Okay. Okay. That's how I knew immediately that he was bad. He seemed bad at the office, but then I was like, oh no, now he's gonna come in and take Swayze's life. Yes, I. 
when when we're in the office, he just seems like out of his depth, you know, like he seems kind of incompetent. But then once once this wedding or not the wedding, the funeral happened. Wedding. What did I say? Wedding. Once this funeral happens. Same thing. Yeah. Um, he does start getting a little bit more physically like contact wise with 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 Molly, you know, but then she, he's also helping her like uh sort out uh, pack up all of his shit yeah offers offers him sam's clothes at times when he needs like an extra shirt and stuff not cool but only because he's skeevy and she can't tell that he's being skeevy he just seems like he's being a good friend and she doesn't even know what it's like to have friends why do you say that he doesn't know what it's like to have friends? I don't know, because uh, she's just so sad, and no one else seems to be coming over to support her. I don't see any other people in her life. It was a small funeral. Mm-hmm. There was only, like, 20, 30 people there, something like that. But at the same time, like, like, what, what do you want a huge funeral? Do you want to be like Sam Cook and have a funeral in two different states? Uh, no, I want to be like Hunter S. Thompson and loaded it into a cannon, but not my ashes, like my actual body. <laughs> and then light me on fire and shoot me out to sea. That's a, not a Vikings funeral, that's a pirate's funeral. Um, I like the panic that, um, is displayed on Sam when someone walks through him. Mm-hmm. Or he interacts with cats. Oh yeah, the cat, the cat thing was a real fast setup and payoff. It's like within a ten minute. <laughs> Not even. I think it was like a real tight five. Like we see a cat. The cat starts watching him walk around the room, and then all of a sudden it gets too close, and then he hisses and like kind of like leaps, gets, leaps, and like gets gets spooked like a cat. Cat gets spooked, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes your cat's spooked, and you're like, dude, there's nothing there. It. <laughs> It very much made me like, I'm like, I've seen this happen. I've seen cats do this kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I, I liked that touch, man. Mm-hmm. That I feel like that that really was one of the things that made, stood out and made it feel like more real for me. Patrick Swayze doesn't strike me as a cat man, though. He's not a cat man. Mm-mm. What kind of man does Patrick Swayze strike you as? Horseman. A horseman? Well, yeah, of course, he's a horseman. If he were one of the horsemen of the apocalypse, what horseman would he be? Famine. You think he'd be famine? Mm-hmm. What, what makes you say famine? Well, he's real skinny in this movie. Yeah? He's always pretty lithe. And he yeah. mostly only has cigarettes, and that's all you need when you're famine. <laughs> oh, man. I would have said pestilence. Why? Because... Swayze bug infected America okay. right at, right before this movie, and after this film, he became the sexiest man alive. Something like that doesn't happen unless you have, you know. Yeah, you're an infectious disease. Something to catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called when uh, when craziness is like uh, it's communicable? Uh, panic. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, I mean that sometimes you can make somebody else crazy with your crazy. Uh, and you get, it can spread around. And like, soon you've got a... Like contagious mania? Yeah. That's, Hell yeah. That's crazy. Man. Hell yeah, man. So how did how did Willie get keys to the house? Did he steal Swayze's keys or did Carl give him a key to... 
Carl Molly. shouldn't have a fucking key. Bruh, they're friends. He was in there helping them remodel and demo shit. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, he probably just had his own key, right? Uh, yeah. Carl had his key and he loaned it to, to Willie. Yeah, because it, this whole rigmarole we find out after we introduce to Willie breaking into the house while Molly is on a walk with Carl, right? That's he what really, makes me think that Carl gave him the key. Because he lured her out. And he yeah. was really insistent. I yeah. hadn't even thought of that. He level. was kind of pressuring her to go out on this walk, right? So then Willie comes in the house, starts looking for Swayze's wallet, right? And Sam sees this all happening as a ghost and can't do anything. And this is when the 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 falling, punching, fighting up the stairs was happening. And the well. payoff of the cat bit, where the cat gets uh, gets Willie's face. Yeah, Sam spooks the cat, gets Willie's face, causes Willie to run out of the apartment. Um, and this is because uh, Molly had come home while Willie was poking around upstairs. Yeah, she must not have walked very far. Right. But, yeah, so Willie beats it, gets out of the fucking apartment. Sam hightails it after him and follows him all the way home. And he overcomes the barrier of the door. Yeah, he jumps through the door. He breaks himself out of the Beetlejuice situation, and he enters the uh, fucking Sixth Sense. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. So he finds out where Willie lives, goes to his And his name. Yeah. Because before that, he was Luis Guzman. Not Luis Guzman. He was, he was, well, not Luis Guzman, comma, mullet Luis Guzman, comma, denim jacket Luis Guzman. <laughs> he had lots of things going on with him. Yeah, it was, it was, it was mainly just, he had a mustache and kind of, kind of crazy hair. And I was like, he looks like Luis Guzman. Well, and sort of like that kissy face. He did, he did have a kissy face. But doesn't like, I mean, doesn't look good on him. <laughs> It looks like he got bad lip injections or something. Like, I really didn't understand his situation. Like, if he's a murderer for hire... No, he's not a murderer for hire. He's a pickpocket. He's a thief. Okay, never mind. Because, like, I didn't understand why he was living in such a shitty apartment. Yes. Thought criminals got paid well. While we were on our way to Willie's apartment, Sam has his first interaction on the subway. Josh. How do you feel about the subway ghost that we encounter? Train ghost. Train ghost. Yes. Uh, well, what did you say? Subway ghost means there's what? Um, there's, oh, it implies the existence of Quiznos ghost. That's what it was. I was like, I knew it was something fucking funny. Something about sandwiches. <laughs> something about sandwiches. So we meet this train ghost, right? And the train ghost exhibits a ghostly skill we were unaware of to this point. Yeah, like he inhumanly pushes Swayze around for one. Yes. And, and yells at him like a like a boss. Yeah. Get off my train, blah, blah, blah. Don't come back. And then as he Classic throws... Classic ghost shit. As he throws Swayze through the door, and he's kind of like sitting on the the bottom, uh, or the, the in-between cars kind of situation. Yeah, well, you know, when somebody chucks you off the back of the train, and they're like, and stay off. No ticket. <laughs> you know? Um, Willie then, not Willie, fucking train ghost breaks the fucking window. Yeah, very intimidating. Yeah, like physically, like actually causes physical in-world changes. In my opinion, that was the best setup and payoff throughout the movie because train ghost was like very memorable and it was like a very short thing 
yes. and then you're when he, you realize that uh, Sam needs to interact with the world, you're like, train ghost. Train ghost has it, man. Hell yeah, I uh, I liked train ghost. Dude, the first appearance is like awesome. It's very memorable. He's like totally unhinged. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Swayze asks him later on how long he's been there. And he doesn't really have a good idea of how long he's been there. Mm-hmm. But he's very, like, resistant to uh, being accused of killing himself. Yeah, he said somebody pushed him in front of the train and he wanted to make sure everyone knew that he was pushed. Yeah, he's very defensive about the idea that he could have jumped. Mm-hmm. Even though he does do so seconds later. Yes, <laughs> he right runs into and jumps a train. into the train. <laughs> Dude... So how do you feel about Oda May's introduction now? So good, dude. So good. I love that she was a fucking grifter. Yes. And that's like Swayze like activated her ghost sensing. Uh, With his powerful presence. I thought her grift was pretty fucking funny. Like you noted, she had uh, a bunch of people coming in to get psychic readings, right? And she's just doing, like, cold reading shit. Yeah, and just, like, did your your husband that you're trying to reach know uh, a Jennifer, a Claudia? And she goes through all these really, really uncommon names, and then she's like, Maria, and she's like, that was his mother's name. Like, oh, my God, that's him. He's, we're t- he's talking to us, you know, and doing the... You get the impression that she's only met a few Latino people before. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because, uh, I don't know. I would have gone with Maria pretty early. Yeah? Yeah, she said Anna first. Oh, yeah. Maria is one of the most common female names. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. But yeah, so she goes through the whole fake psychic rigmarole, doing the, just just pulling stuff out of her ass just to try and, like, sleaze another 20 bucks out of this lady, right? Empaths will do that shit, too, but they only just, like, want emotional currency. Yeah? Yeah. They like, just want to be validated. Oh, I mean, that's cool, I guess. Yeah, wow. everyone wants to be validated. Um, but this is, like like we said, it was the time that her psychic powers were actually awakened. Right? Like Swayze's in there laughing at what a bad job she's doing, and he's distracting her. Yeah, <laughs> she she's like, yeah, going to give me another $20 or whatever, you know, and then I can see the future. And then he laughs, and he's like, you're going to fleece her for everything she's got. And you see... You see Oda May kind of like look around the room a little bit. Like she's like, I heard a man's voice. There's no men in here. What the fuck's going on? You and know? her sisters are treating her like the, she's weird as well. Yeah, yeah. And so so this whole time Sam keeps talking and she keeps responding until so she actually like, holy shit, I heard an entire sentence from someone responding to me and they're not here kind of thing. Yeah, know? that was something I wasn't expecting too. I, I wasn't expecting her to not be able to see him. Yeah. He's completely invisible throughout the movie. Correct. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, until the very, very end. Yeah, then yeah. he appears as a heavenly angel. Yeah. But then she gets in a closet and she's yelling up a storm and it's like, Sam calms her down and convinces her like, hey, my name is Sam Wheat. You got to call my girlfriend, Molly. I was killed. You know? Mm-hmm. And she doesn't care. Yeah. She's like, I don't want to fucking do this. I don't want to do this. He's like, I'm going to. I'm going to bother you until you do this, you know? And she's like, all right, fine, whatever. So she calls him, calls calls Molly up, right? Otome gives her, gives her a ring and is trying to like, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about Sam. And Molly's not having it, right? 
So after a night of Sam singing to Oda May to get out of bed to go see Molly, she gets out of bed, goes and sees Molly, and eventually convinces her to have a conversation with her about them. It takes a while, and there's some, hey, I'm working here. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of, quit yelling in the street, blah, blah, blah. And you had to go through a bunch of different things that Sam was like, Cyrano de Borgeracking into Otome's ear about like, oh, this was the thing that we did in Puerto Rico. This was the shirt that I spilled the margarita on. Yeah, that's fun stuff too for character building. Yeah? Like these are all memories that we shared together. Yeah. That never happened on screen that we can just assume actually happened. Oh, like yeah. And then they they bring them up from, from time to time. And the emotional responses that are given between all the characters was all really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we get the information between, um, like all all the all Willie's info, right? All all Willie's info was given through Otome to Molly, you know, from Sam, and at first. Molly doesn't know how to take the information, you know, like, I don't know what to do with this. Maybe I should go to the police. Maybe I shouldn't, blah, blah, blah. And she doesn't even know if she truly trusts Otome. But she seems like she wavers back and forth right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how much do you think a psychic would have to tell you to accurately convince you that they were talking to someone who had passed that was close to you? I think the underwear thing's enough. The underwear thing would be enough? I think so. Okay. okay. The, like vacations, mm, you know. Yeah. Like, there could be some information there, especially now. Yeah, especially now. Um, I, I think that she gave like plenty of information. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the she was kind of wavering back and forth. Like what won her over was Molly goes to leave the conversation. And Otome goes, he says, I love you. He says, I love you. And, and then Molly turns around and says, he'd never say that. And then all of a sudden, he's like, tell her ditto. And Otome's like, what the fuck does ditto mean? Who wants to say, what, what does that mean? And then Molly's like, oh, shit. This is fucking Sam. Yeah, ditto can be or mean anything. Yeah. Just whatever you said. Yeah. And, like, that's what gets her to click, right? She's like, okay, so she takes this info and she's like, maybe I'll talk to the cops. You know, let's let's just think about things. So Carl comes over that night before she goes anywhere else, right? And so she kind of talks to him like, hey, yeah, so this psychic came over and was saying she was talking to Sam and shit and that he had found out who his murderer was and found out where he lived and just rattles off his home address and and his Carl name. starts looking like a little sweaty like. yeah <laughs> Carl starts getting a little sweaty right and then immediately leaves and finds a payphone and calls up Willie and he's just like hey and Carl like or Willie picks up the phone and like hey Carl what's up this is like the first that we know that they're working together, right? Yeah, this is this is how we find out because he just kind of like kind of looking weird and squirrely inside the apartment. But as soon as he leaves, and you see him pick up the phone to call somebody, and then you watch Willie pick up the phone at home, and he, then he goes, "Hey, Carl, what's up?" Like they know each other. And yeah, been, how do you think they met? I don't know. Hanging out? Maybe they were put together by Doctor Claw. That's what I was Mr. thinking. Claw. That's the way that it makes the most sense. And I was thinking 
pretty deft storytelling. Like, it's really artful to completely cut that character out of the movie, basically. Yeah, you only hear a voice with authority. Was Do you think that voice that we heard was even his, or was that somebody under his? His to say. I mean, you know, like, the, my impression was that Willie and Carl answered to the same guy. Yeah. But then the movie made it clear that Willie answers to Carl, and that's kind of dumb. Why? Oh, yeah. Because you don't want the you don't want the bag man, the the brute, to be working for the plan guy. Like they have to work together as a team underneath one guy. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, a completely um, vertical uh, power structure is never good. Yeah, I, I understand. You got to diversify your your underlings. <laughs> You need a fleet of them, right? You just can't just have one guy. You need a few. Yeah, like Carl clearly wasn't able to handle this situation, so maybe Mr. Claw could have gotten them a better robber who wouldn't kill a guy. Yeah, yeah. I would just try and rob him again another time, you know, if you fail. (laughs) I like that Carl said the name of the movie. Oh, yeah. He said it, uh, ghosts. Yeah. Multiple times. You can't expect me to believe in ghosts. No yeah. one ever says the word ghost besides him. Yeah. Well, I mean, Oda May says, give up the ghost later, which I ah, like. Give up the ghost, because that's a, that's a phrase. That's a band name. It's just a phrase. It is a phrase. Um, But, yeah, that's when we find out Carl is the real bad guy, and he has somehow snuck that $4 million extra dollars from all the, all the fucking bank accounts that Swayze found, mm-hmm. you know? He's going to compile them into one, and then he's going to make one withdrawal. This is the master plan. He's got $4 million in the computer. Yeah. It's, it's, it's in the computer? It's in the computer. Yeah. $4 million is what we're working with here, right? <laughs> Which is enough to kill your best friend over, apparently. Well, see, that was the whole thing. This is why we find out that Willie was in the house looking for Sam's wallet. Because Sam's wallet had the key code numbers to all the bank accounts that he needed to withdraw the money out of to put them into the one bank account. Isn't that wild in light of the fact that Lisa sold Patrick Swayze's wallet with all its stuff in it? Yeah, that's weird. That's one of those items on that on that auction site. <laughs> so... Yeah, so that's what the whole mugging was 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 organized for was just to take the wallet so we could get the codes out of it. Maybe Lisa never saw this movie. Maybe. Maybe it make her sad. <laughs> Do you think that uh, Bruce Willis calls Lisa Nimi every time he watches Ghosts and goes, "Ha ha, your husband was kissing my wife." He's jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> and he hangs up. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to think of who could be the Bill Murray in this situation. Uh, Bill Murray, Bill Murray calls Lisa Nemi and was like, "I was watching, I was watching Ghosts," and to be more. Yeah, and he really likes her. You can tell <laughs> with her little overalls. <laughs> oh. I. Uh... I can't believe Carl did that to him, you know, set him up like that, like a chump. Yeah, and I can't believe that then Carl proceeds to be a complete fucking psycho after he's dead as well by flirting with his girlfriend, coming over, offering her some 
Sympathy. Apple pears, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Asian pears, he said. No, that's what they're actually called. Oh. He called okay. them something else. He called them something apple pears. Oh. Japan, okay. Japanese apple pears. Actually, that may be more right. I'm not really sure. I'm, I don't know anything about pears. Dude, oh, yeah. Asian I pears. They're delicious. Asian pears, so fucking good. Yeah? It's like an apple that is like sweet, like not quite a pear. Oh, it's really good. I don't even know where you can get them anymore. Oh. They were like a fad food for a while. Oh, maybe we'll try and find some. Yeah. I I really liked the next scene, and you had even mentioned it while we were watching it. It was the glass that Molly was rolling back and forth. Yeah, another one of those weird, just like artful interstitial scenes. Yeah. She's rolling it, rolling it, down the stairs, it shatters, cut. Yeah, it was real fucking cool looking. Um, but that was like the penny that he found when they moved in, right? Like at the very, very, very beginning of the movie. And he's like, that's a good omen. Yes. Yeah, he did mention that the penny was a good omen. There was a few, uh, yeah, there was a, a few, a few things planted and paid off throughout the movie. The only thing that was never paid off was the overboss. And I like that. Yeah? Yeah. Because it's not necessary. And that's what I was saying is like, it's very concise with the storytelling they were able to basically delete that guy out of the story and they're like ah carl's the big bad basically mm-hmm. it's nice dude um how did you feel about the cops steven root and and uh police woman whatever <laughs> police her, woman her un, un unnamed character police woman um no lady cop is the, the lady character's cop. name <laughs> Lady Cop. Uh, that's true. That's what she was in the in the cast. Um, I, Stephen Root's great, and he was such a good cop. That's exactly what cops do in real life. They tell you, huh, it sounds like you're crazy. Look, this lady's black, and she has a rap sheet. Go home. She, Why don't you mourn your husband and cry a little more? He just goes and grabs her file and is just like, yeah, she's a cut artist. She is... Is taking you for anything she can take you for, you know? And she's, she's like, how? Why, why, how would she know this stuff? He's like, man, they go through your trash. They'll go through your mail. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Just just sowing all this doubt about Oda May, right? And she's not asking for anything either. No, she's just trying one. to make the report like, hey, I think this guy has something to do with my boyfriend's death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Oda May has nothing to gain from it. Like, she's not asking for money. Correct. She's not asking for friendship. She's not asking for special favors or like special pottery. <laughs> I want special pottery. Yeah, what, I need my own pottery. What would what what is special pottery? My friend growing up, my friend Kyle, his ma had this one pottery that I'm not sure if he made or she made, but it had a lid on it, right? Okay. And she kept all of her lighters in it. What? Yeah, like that's not what I was expecting you to say. All of her lighters. How many lighters? Like a lot. Like more than we have. Yes. Like we have a whole coffee can full of lighters. Dude, this is co- like it's it's like colander sized. Like it was gigantic. Like it it wasn't like the it made, he couldn't have made it. We were kids. <laughs> I I mean like I trust Kyle's artistic ability to the moon and back. Man is very creative, but. When we were children, I don't know if we could have handled this. You know, like There's no this way. seems very, very out of our range. You know. Okay. Okay. And what was special about it? It was just big. It was and where it, they kept all the lighters. It was green, and it, it looked it looked kind of like a Dutch oven, right? It had a top. 
Okay. And, and did it have like a glaze on the outside? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was glazed on the outside. It was green. It was real cool. Green glaze. Yeah. It. it was filled with lighters. And uh, I remember as a kid going in there and, and taking them when we, when we were all hanging out when his mom wasn't home. Oh, it's cool to have lighters because fire oh, is cool. Dude, we loved it. We'd get some bottle rockets and fucking light them off in the backyard. Oh, dude, we go crazy. Hell yeah, dude. You got to burn stuff when you're a kid. Dude, we were little hill thumbs. You got to, dude. If you don't burn stuff when you're a kid, then how are you going to learn how shit burns? Dude, um, I... I hate Carl so much. He comes much. over with the pairs. He takes his shirt off immediately. I hate him. That's when I was ultimately like, this is the worst guy in the world. He just came over here and took his shirt off, and now he's like taking advantage of her like emotional he, vulnerability in this difficult time when her like almost husband is a ghost. He comes over, invites himself in for coffee. In the middle of the night. Middle of the night. Uh, he me- only shows up in the middle of the night. Yeah. She makes him coffee. While she's making him coffee, he's taking off his tie and getting comfortable. He tosses his tie. Yeah. She sits down, gives him a cup of coffee, and then he immediately pours it on himself so he has an excuse to take off his shirt. Oh, but he also goes like, look over there, so she can't see him pour it on himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he says, can I have some more cream? Yes. He asks for more cream. And so pours it on himself, takes off his shirt, you know, and he's just chilling. Then Molly's getting sad. He's got like a thicker bod than Swayze. A little bit thicker. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely thicker. Um, and he starts like kind of comforting Molly just just like with her woes and talking about like what happened at the police station and stuff like that. And eventually she starts crying. So he starts to get a little bit more physically comforting, eventually leaning in to kiss her, successfully kissing her. And then Swayze gets pissed and pushes a picture frame. I think he tried to like push push Carl off of her. Push them, yeah. And then he just like flew through them and hit the picture frame. Correct. And yeah. that's when he realized that he could also, like the train ghost, move things from the afterlife. Because right? he thought the train ghost was a special boy, right? But it yeah. turns out he's the real special boy. Yeah, I, th- I initially thought the train ghost wasn't a ghost. I thought he was some kind of clairvoyant person, mm. you know, that could, like, bridge the gap. I kind of thought he was, like, a, a crazy person Yeah, who, who, who could bridge the gap. Oh, that's a good point. You know, hey. Because people, I used to never use the word crazy because it's not, like, it's not correct. It's not the way to think about it. He would be the actual thing psychotic. He would be a person who's experiencing psychosis, but can also see ghosts. But that just looks like psychosis to people. Mm-hmm. Which you notice as Whoopi wanders around town, she looks crazy. She's talking to him loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Otome only talks to Sam at one volume, and it's yelling. <laughs> And, like, he's whispering to her. She's like, why are you whispering? Yeah, like, <laughs> screaming in a bank. Why are you whispering? And I'm just like, what are you doing? Shush! You're in a bank! Yeah, like, goofballs! It, well, she must not be a very successful con artist if she's been caught all those times. Hey, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But, yeah, so Carl's getting handsy, kissing, kissing Molly. Fucking Sam pops through them, hits their picture frame, and then Molly's like, I can't do this. This is not chill. It's it was too a picture soon. of him. Yeah, it was a picture of him and Molly. This is too soon kind of situation. So Carl gets his shit and leaves, right? He's like, you just see me for dinner. And she's yeah. like, okay, I'll wait for you to call with the time. Yeah. And uh, 
that's when Swayze, since he learned he can affect things, he goes on a search for train ghost. Bit of a training montage. It's a short one. It's like it's like a training montage in the the Matrix. I like him looking at uh, looking for the train ghost, where he like pops his head over the tracks and the train just like flies by, and he's like looking in all the train cars as the as they fly by. Yes, that's a cool a cool shot and a cool concept. I think the the train setting was cool, just fucking in general, you know. Yeah, it was. Like that was just sick because like it was. It was the first real setting we were in outside of the hospital that there were lots of people around. So you you didn't know if someone was dead or alive, you know? Like yeah. I think that was like the coolest part because as soon as they get in public, you don't know anymore. And I wonder if that's a class thing. Why why do you say that? Well, cuz I'm looking for class stuff in this movie. Okay. And money is just like big exorbitant sums and she's like an independent artist and shit. So like money doesn't really seem to be a factor in the movie, but everyone's able to isolate themselves when they're home. But when they're out in public, you can't isolate yourself. It's the place where all classes come together, specifically the subway cars Mm -hmm. in New York. But I don't know if that's, that's intended to be about anything or if it's just a cool setting. Um, I like that, like the when they were trying to do the training montage stuff, the way that it was being described, where you have to, since you don't have a body anymore, the only thing you can really affect change with is to use all of yourself, you know, yeah, your all will. of your emotions, um, everything you ever loved and hate, everything, all your anger, it has to be utilized and focused, uh, almost like a like a sh- like a gunshot. And that know. sort of like explains why Train Ghost seems so unhinged, right? Because he like is always trying to affect his environment, so he has to like stay keyed up like that all the time. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I I do think that that aspect of it, knowing that the only way a ghost can affect any change is to use everything they have and it comes off as a concussive blast then mm-hmm. not concussive but you know like a physical like movement um that also ex- like ties into the idea that we have with our folklore with ghosts that like when ghosts are haunting things it's usually just like simple movements yeah where- it's not usually punching somebody yeah, it's not necessarily punching someone, but it's it's very rare that you hear ghosts like writing messages and stuff like that. It's like, oh, a ball will roll in one direction, or mm-hmm. like a light will turn on. Oh, so like, what you're saying is that if a ghost won't show itself, it's a big old nerd who can't do nothing. Not saying that. What are you fucking doing? Show yourselves, ghosts. We wouldn't even know if we had ghosts because it would just sound like we have raccoons in the walls or whatever. <laughs> Dude. So. Yeah, it would. It's exactly what it was. We moved into this house. My first roommate thought that we had ghosts, <laughs> but it was always raccoons in it the walls. Always raccoons in the walls. I kept telling the landlords, "I'm like, we got raccoons," and they're like, "Unless they come in the house, we're not gonna do anything." And I'm like, "Well, they're in the house. They're like, they're in the house." And I'm like, "No, they're not in the house. They're not like chilling next to me on the couch." But I mean, like, they're, they're in the walls. They're in the walls. And they're and- eating your insulation that you're never gonna replace. Yeah, I'm just like, ah, oh. it. I can't believe it took. In like six years to do anything about that, man. Yeah, and then they raised our rent because of it. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> did. did. Dude, when I told them that it's how like something was back, 
They just haven't responded to oh, me. I didn't know that you mentioned it. Oh, yeah, I mentioned it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've mentioned a few of the repairs that need to be done, and they just don't respond anymore. Hell, yeah. That's what it's like to have a corporate landlord. Because if, you know, we had an actual landlord, they would want to keep the house intact. <laughs> they would care that there's no insulation in the walls because of the raccoons. They would care that there's water damage. Um, yeah, they would care. They don't, though. Good. So we do a quick cut back to Otome, right? Her little seance circle area her, where she does her, her fortunes and, and her predictions and everything like that is packed to the gills. With people and ghosts. Mostly ghosts, it looks like. Well, it looks like it's mostly ghosts, but we don't know that it's ghosts. It's just, it's just packed. And then once you get inside, um, Swayze says something, and then all the people who are standing look at him, and a few of them respond. And then that's when you realize they're all ghosts. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, ever since I met you... All these people start showing up, and I can't get any fucking, any any peace, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's this woman sitting there talking about how she lost her husband, Orlando. And Orlando's there and kind of talked to her and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, you see Orlando get a little bold and jump into Otome. Which is notification of new powers that we didn't know Ghost had. Yes. And, uh... He kind of like controls her body, like you know, possesses her for 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 a moment, and uh, after that, Otome gets pissed and just like everybody out, everyone out, ghosts, real people, all of you, get the fuck out of my business. I want to be alone right now, right? I loved her impression of Orlando, though. Yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah, though Orlando didn't really say much. No. Uh, before he got in her, so she could just kind of make up the character herself. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was, like, done intentionally, though, you know? Yeah. Um, but once the room is cleared out, and Swayze's the only one in there, and she's kind of hollering at him, telling him to leave also, uh, a- Willie walks in the door. Oh, yeah, he's going to blast her. Yeah. So he he walks out of the door and pulls out a gun, and... Once Sam sees this, he uses his newly found pushing powers and dishevels the gentleman, right? Well, she gets away to the closet. Yeah, and she eventually escapes, right? Yeah, but he starts blasting. Yeah, just blasting <laughs> fucking everywhere. Fucking like nine shells or something out. I thought he had a revolver. I don't know how he got... He had more bullets than a revolver. It was definitely more than six or seven, which is generally the larger revolver. Um... And, you know, that's when we find out, like, hey, Carl's got this thing. It's all set up. And they're trying to kill you. Yeah, they they uh, they knew that you were at the bank. Yeah. No, they're like, they're trying to kill you. Let's do, let's, let's do a heist. And oh, yeah, fuck they haven't em. done the heist yet. Yeah, let's do a heist. Let's fuck them, you know, because these guys are stealing. They're trying to kill us. Let's, like... Yeah, so what Swayze follows uh, Carl around and figures out all the passcodes or whatever. Everything The account numbers. Everything. You know, all the information gets it all taken care of, delivers it to Otome, gets her all dressed up, goes to the bank. How about that outfit? I liked it. I liked I liked the hat and the jacket mix. Mm-hmm. Or not, not mix, match. Mm-hmm. Match. I thought it looked great. I thought she looked cool as fuck. Hot pink. Yeah, it was very, it was a power suit, man. 
Yeah, it's the implication that's the fanciest thing that she owns, right? Because she's going to the bank. Well, he told her to dress up nice. Yeah. Plus, with the amount of money that she was withdrawing, if if someone like you or I walked into a bank and was like, hey, we are here to withdraw $4 million, they would not give us $4 million. Yeah, they would. If I had all the right information, they better. Uh, yeah, I guess. Maybe. Well, she had all the right information, and they did give it to her. Yeah, exactly. Pretty seamlessly, also. Mm-hmm. Like... Oh, Sam was there coaching her through everything, you know. She did a pretty good job on most of it. Yeah, she did a great job. She successfully, you know, procures all $4 million in a a trek. And as she's going to leave, we see Molly walk in. For what? I don't know. To the bank in general. Just so that someone could see her there. Yeah. Doesn't Carl work there? Uh, I don't know. Carl is not, not in that floor. Oh. That was somebody else. That they were talking to. Well, yeah, for sure. I just mean to say that, like, they could have had him show up instead. He could have seen it. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about the writing. But yeah, when I liked that, that was my favorite joke in the whole movie too. Is when he's like, "Well, how how do you want it? You know, when she's gonna cash the check? Tens and twenties? Yeah, she's like tens and twenties. <laughs> it's four million dollars. <laughs> no, take it as Can a cashier's check. <laughs> you imagine leaving a bank. With $4 million in 10s and 20s. Yeah, it's like in a little kid's lunchbox or whatever. Yeah, a little kid's <laughs> lunchbox the size of like a, a fucking full cab. I don't think so. That's not that much money. $4 million? Not that much money. It's way way less than you're thinking. It's way. I've never seen that amount of money before. Me neither, but come on. Dude, I'd be pressed to say like I've seen like three thousand dollars before. Okay, but I guess in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, have okay. you seen that? Yes. Johnny Depp has that little kid's uh, lunchbox full of money, and it's ten thousand dollars. Oh. So you're right; it would be like forty times as big as that. Actually, would be, would be pretty big. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like at least a full stack size, at least a full 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 base ramp. Were those bills hundreds in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, though? I can't remember, man. Me neither. That's a, that's a specific detail. It was just a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Well, either way, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think they give it to you cash. I, don't, I think that there's like a hold on that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because uh, a bank doesn't have that much money in cash, just on hand. But it's okay. She didn't need any of the money, at least according to Patrick Swayze's logic. In my opinion, he should have cut her a little bit off. If he was planning on just giving it to some nuns. 100% should have cut her in. Like, she she helped him out in so many ways. And then she wouldn't need to, like, fucking scam people anymore. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Just a quick, like, hey, give me 10 grand in cash. I guess she does have, like, a whole career ahead of her. Like, a whole lifetime of being an actual medium now. I guess. Is that a lucrative career? Yeah. There's a reason why people fake it. <laughs> That's a good point. It makes me wonder if she's the only one in this world who can psychically see ghosts, though, or if there's lots of them. Maybe. Like, he only went to her because she had a shop and she was grifting. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, he didn't know she was grifting. Well, yeah, but she only has a shop because she's grifting. Well, yeah. Yeah, and- but, she, dude, she, like, like you said, she mentioned that her ma and her grandma both had the shine also. Yeah, but, like... She, why did it just get activated? She's an adult woman. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> Usually you your magic becomes active when you're like 12 or 11 or whatever. Well, first things first. An owl shows up. 
Yes. Says, yes. You've been invited. Here's your here's your letter to Hogwarts. <laughs> um. Yeah, she donates, or Sam has her donate all four million dollars to some nuns who are just collecting money on the side of the road. That's a sister act reference. Yep. Just just has her donate, sign it all over. And I think one of the nuns faints on the other one. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's got the vapors. But while this is happening, Carl is getting all sweaty at his computer. He's getting so sweaty because all the money has disappeared. He's finding out that all the money has disappeared, and he starts getting sweatier. He's, like, Dude, fully unhinged at this point. He's so fucking sweaty. Looks like a fucking Nick Lutzko video. He is so sweaty. He's so obnoxiously sweaty. And his, his co-worker's like, you doing all right, man? Yeah, and he's just fucking sitting there getting sweaty. And um, I think he sits there doing cocaine after everybody leaves and getting more sweaty until it's time to go on his dinner date that he misses. Yeah, he just gets fucking pissed. And um, while he's just like, Freaking out, not knowing what to do. Uh, Sam shows up and decides to start haunting him. <laughs> yeah, poltergeisting him. This was the first haunting that we really got because, like, Sam hadn't really like learned how to how to maneuver the the pushing yet. But now he's like pushing a chair across the room, typing Sam, 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 Sam on his computer, typing all over Carl's computer, and Carl. No, like gets freaked the fuck out and it's just like well we're gonna fix this now you know because if sam is fucking with me in some way shape or form i'm just gonna go and get molly i'll you know? just uh either sex or threaten her one of the two yes, or both something to molly so carl goes to molly's and tells him all about how uh molly saw otome at the bank and carl freaks the fuck out right He's like, oh. He's just like, I got to go do something. I'm sorry. He's he's getting sweatier and sweatier. Well, he threatens her. You yeah. know, she's not, she doesn't see herself get threatened. He threatens her to the ghost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's how, you know, he's totally unhinged. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to be back at 11. We'll go get some dinner kind of thing. But this is like, while she was out of the room, he's like waving a knife around the kitchen, screaming at Sam because Sam's haunting him still, like pushing him around. And just like, yeah, if uh, it's punching him and shit. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't put that fucking money back in those accounts by 11 o'clock, I'm going to kill her. You know, Mm. he's just like straight up like, yeah, I'm just going to kill her. You can't do anything. I'm going to kill her with this big knife because the four million dollars that I lost of my boss's money, not my own money, my boss's money is enough to kill my best friend and his girlfriend and my potential girlfriend over. Yeah. To do a double murder over. Isn't that insane? Dude. $4 million is not enough money to do a double murder. Dude, Carl's just been freaked. I don't, like I said, Carl's just been like shitty this entire time. Completely inept. The entire time. Completely. Like, so while he's leaving Molly's house, he's calling fucking Willie up. He's like, yo, we're going to Otomaze. She's in your, your area because like. Because you guys are both poor. Yeah, Molly said she saw Otome at the fucking bank, and her name was Rita, so I know she got the fucking money. Let's go get her. And um, while this is all happening, Sam haunts Willie. Yeah, like very intensely. Yeah, like so hard outside. And inside, like he's beating him up. Yeah. 
and really making his life crazy. Like, it doesn't make any sense what's going on to him. He had no hint that ghosts were real. No, no idea. <laughs> he has no idea any of this is happening. He's just getting thrown around, right? So he, like, flees his apartment and runs out into the street where he looks even more insane. <laughs> runs into traffic. Gets hit by one car, into another car. Into a bus. And then, uh, like, he sprawls out on the ground and another car hits him. Yeah, well, he's involved in a three-car accident. Just his body hit no, those three cars. Well, see that—that's the thing. Well, like Sam, and his body continued the motion after he had died. Mm. Willie had died after getting hit by the bus into the car, and that's where his body was. But yeah, his but- ghost was knocked out of him, uh-huh. and then that other car just missed his ghost. Like I don't that know, dude. That third it. car that rolls up, like there's like a crunch sound. Like it sounded like it ran over his arm or something. Yeah, yeah. It, I I don't know. It didn't hit his head. But, I don't know. Because like I thought it was gonna be like a head popping situation under the tire. Well, because he gets up then. Oh yeah, he does get up, but his yeah. body's right there on the ground. No, his body's on the car. Oh. Because he he stands up and sees his body, huh. and then that's when he starts going uh, 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 and starts shaking a little bit, and then the dementors come. And they're like, got a light. Got a light. Got a light. And they drag him to hell. The this end. This is the wall. Oh, wait, that's not the end. There's still this more. This is the well. Drink it deep. Yeah, I think that these... Think that, I think that whoever made this movie and David Lynch talked a little bit about what, about what like, demons look like. Yeah? Yeah, they're just black shadows. I don't know. I think that's scary. The, like, shadow monsters are scary just in general. Shadow people are scary, and it's something that people have seen in, in real life. So, I mean... It's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Dream logic, though, is like a, a part of this movie. I think that you're right. There is a, a, a sense of dream logic, not only because they involve ghosts, but the next scene we get is when Otome goes to go and talk to Molly to try and like convince her that Sam's there one more time. So right? he does a trick with the penny. Yeah, he does the, the penny trick. And uh, then Otome comes in. And uh, after some, like, guilting, uh, she decides that it's time to offer her body up to their love. Yeah, so he he crawls inside, and uh, he and Molly dance to but it's the him. brothers. Yeah. It's not Otome. Well, yeah, like, we see Otome sit down, and then we see her start to hold Molly's hand. And Molly just kind of keeps her eyes closed. Yeah, but then later on... Like you know, like the camera moves a little bit more, and then instead of uh, Otome's hand touching Molly's face, is Sam's hand. Then, so we we have Sam in the surrogate for the for the rest of the scene. I think it could have been affecting in the long shot. You know, there's one that like goes up to the ceiling of the room, which is really high up or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think that oh, and outside the window, I think that could have been Otome in that shot. That would have been a really. I I agree. Uh, but I think if that everything the movie. In- Everything in the room is Sam, but from the outside perspective, had that be Otome? Yeah, like I don't think that the 1990s movie-going audiences were ready to see uh, a, an interracial lesbian kiss. But, uh, you know, I think that would have been striking. Oh, yeah, it definitely would have been striking. <laughs> but also, doing it from the long shot with Otome in there uh, would take away from the, like how... Uh, up front they would be about it. They would just look like they're hugging from far away. You don't actually have to see them kiss. That would be too disgusting for general audiences. They didn't kiss. I, they didn't kiss at all? No, they just danced. 
God, I guess I didn't even consider it dancing. They were mostly just touching each other. Okay, well, that answers one of my questions here. When Carl showed up, it very violently, like, jerked us out of that scene of them just dancing to Molly's records. And, um, fucking, he just starts shooting through the door. Yeah, he, like, he that's the, everyone's idea throughout the movie is if a door doesn't open, shoot it. He shows up, bangs on it twice and goes, Molly, Molly, let me in. Then he pulls out a gun and shoots the lockout. Because he believes ghosts are real at this point, right? Like, he didn't even give her enough time to get to the door and she's already shooting through it. Yeah, well, he knows ghosts are real and if ghosts are real, then she's there and she's kissing her, her, her betrothed and he better break in before they formulate a plan to stop him. So they just flee out the window, right? <laughs> right, yeah. So, but th- this whole thing with him shooting through the door pulls Otome out of the trance, and then Sam falls out of her body. And he's all weakened, which we learned earlier. We learned from Orlando, when you get when you get out of someone's body after possessing them, you're super weak, right? Talk so, about setup and payoff. Right? So he couldn't fucking physically move anything. So as... Carl is then chasing the girls around the fucking house, shooting up a goddamn storm, going up the storm escape or the the fire escapes and everything like that, right? Yeah. Sam is slowly recovering until he they get upstairs. Sam's able to get upstairs. They're just in somebody else's apartment. Yeah. Having just, their climactic end of the movie fight. Yeah. And psychotic. While it's all happening, um Sam and Carl get into a tussle, and a window gets broken. <laughs> and as that happens, and the glass is falling, Carl gets caught underneath, like in the window pane kind of situation. You He's know? all stabbed up. Yeah. So he he gets impaled, and Carl dies. And it very much is him then sitting up and being like, Sam. The fuck are you doing here? Even you're- though he knew Sam was there. Yeah, he's like, you're dead. They were just fighting each other. He yeah. was fighting the ghost. Yeah, and then Sam's just like, Carl, you're dead. And Carl turns around and sees his body all impaled in the window. Like he forgot that shit because he was looking at it like right when it happened. Yeah, and he's just like, what the fuck is going on? And then all of a sudden he starts vibrating also, just like how Willie did. Mm. And all the black... The black hands, forms, and everything like that come out of the, no- the darkness and then just pull Carl away, screaming up a storm. Mm. Well, that's all the bad guys taken care of. Let's not worry about Mr. Claw at all. <laughs> but yeah, Dr. Claw just gets to escape. Like, I mean, like, he didn't get his $4 million, but like... What does he need $4 million for? Chump change. I don't know. The God, the God, the gods have it now. Yeah, the gods have it now. I'm sure those nuns will use it for something really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nuns love good stuff. Well, Josh, how do you feel about the ending here? Like, we get the we get the light. Mm-hmm. We get we get Swayze as a angel. Like mm-hmm. they can his, see him in the physical world. His true form. And he and Molly. I don't know if they if they touch, but they try and interact. They do a ghost kiss. Mm-hmm. Like. Do you think the ending was effective? If the movie's called Ghost, yes. yes. 
Oh, conveniently, this movie is called Ghost. Well, I mean, it tells the story of the ghost from inception to uh, moving on. So, I mean, it makes sense that it ends there. I feel like a modern movie, if it were to be made today, Molly would have to, like, he would go to heaven, and there'd be a small reprieve between the second and third act, and then Molly would have to go to hunt down Dr. Claw. So it would be like a, a Resident Evil situation? I don't, yeah, I don't know exactly what it would be, but I know that she would, she would have to do something. How do you feel about... Um, Sam telling Molly as a ghost, I love you and that I always have, and then her saying ditto at the end. Ditto. Yep. I, I've always loved them both. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I thought it was effective. I thought it was good. I, uh, I liked the ending. I <laughs> liked, I thought the, the ditto thing was cute. It's, there's no real falling action, though, is there? It's just kind of like climax, okay, now goodbye. And then the movie signs off. Yeah. Like, that's fine, I guess. I mean, but that's the end of the story. So, I mean, like... Yeah, I think it was an effective place to end it, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I really would have liked? What? I would have liked the, the title card drop at the beginning, ghost, and like... As the soundtrack, pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, felt very A24. But what I would like better is if everything that happened up until his death was prior to the title card. And as soon as he looks down at his body and sees that he's dead, ghost. All right. All right. I can feel that. That's my punch up to the movie, but otherwise it's perfect. I like that. That, Any punches up? I would completely remove Dr. Claw as well, I think. Yeah, I don't think we necessarily need a Dr. Claw situation. I feel like if Carl was a little bit stronger, that's all we would have really needed. Yeah, uh, if Carl had more of a mischievous and devious mind instead of being like Swayze's bumbling sidekick mm-hmm. uh, who turns into somebody evil. Yeah, um, just empower the Carl character. Um, I found out that the Ditto aspect of the saying I love you was actually something that Bruce Joel Rubin did with his sweetheart and when he wrote uh, Molly's at the end he cried Bruce Joel Rubin yeah that's one guy yes wow when you said it when the movie started this is a Bruce Joel Rubin movie I thought that that was like commas in between their names like that's three guys like they were lawyers because yeah because that guy has three first names (laughs) That's not cool. I mean, yeah, I guess. Never trust a man with two first names. I don't know what you do with a man with three first names. Well, I mean, like, don't don't most American men, given our culture, having three names, have more than one first name? Yeah. You have two first names. Yeah, yeah, but it's not my first and my last name. My last name isn't like a, it's not like a person's name. It's just a word. You're not, you're not Joshua... Christopher James. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> yeah, you'd have three first names. Yeah. I feel like if you had three first names, you'd have to, like, um, go by all three. I think my stepdad has, like, four middle names. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. I, I wish I could think of them all. Harry Dean Stephen John Michael. Harry Dean Stanton. Stephen John Michael, those are his middle names. He has four middle, three middle names. George W. Bush. 
The W is for war. War profiteering. All right, Josh. How do you how do you feel now that we've gone through this movie? What what are your highs? What are your lows? What do you what what stood out as your favorite? I, I love scene. Train Ghost. You love Train Ghost. Uh, as far as the scenes, though, I like the scene where he dies. Just that that quick set of images. Mm-hmm. That was really intense. It made me think, like, wow, this movie has some art, dude. Yeah, I th- I thought it was pretty. I thought it was effective. I thought it was jarring. Like the, it was it was so so multi leveled. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought it looked cool. Like, I, did you have any favorite bits? I don't know. I liked I liked the the, the training montage. Yeah, and uh, I I also liked uh, his suit that he wears earlier in the film. I thought it was cheap. Your cheapness is subjective. Yeah, I could be wrong. I don't know. It was just weird. It made him look really skinny as well. It was a good fit. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a good fit. I, I prefer him shirtless, though. I think we should we should move this conversation over to Fashion Corner. Josh, whose fashion stood out as the cornerstone? Because for me, it was Oda May. Why? Because she wore a few different outfits that really caught my eye. I thought that the embroidery on her psychic outfit mm-hmm. was really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I thought that her Sunday best going to the bank outfit was really fucking cool. Um, and I just like liked her in general. I liked her 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 pajamas that we get to see her in. Oh, the onesie, the onesie. They they looked like little long johns, and they had they had in, in embellishment and stuff like that to make her look like a collar. witch. I don't know if it looked like a witch, but it looked like it was like embroidered or just had. So it wasn't just like a like a like you know a union suit, like a frock. It had some had some jazz on it. Yeah, yeah. Just to let you know she's hip. She's cool. Yeah, I think that Oda May stood out personally. Hmm. I don't know, man. I like, uh, I mean, I didn't like Swayze's stupid shirt, but you know what? It's iconic because he wears it throughout the whole movie because he's a ghost and ghosts can't change their clothes and everybody knows that. They have to wear what they died in. Yeah, so, I mean, it's iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, I do think that Molly's uh, overalls were pretty notable. Yeah? She had a little boy's haircut. She had a little boy's wardrobe. She did. Yeah. She did. And you know what? Fucking uh, people love that. That's that's high fashion right now. Like yeah. Dressing like a toddler. Josh, how did you feel about it? How's this rank on the Josh scale? Wow, I'm thinking this is probably... Like a four out of five. I'm giving it a little bit of extra points for like innovation. Yeah. And just for casting like Stephen Root. Yeah. Young Stephen Root. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I think this is the youngest I've seen Stephen Root. Yeah. It's, it's strange. Yeah. Uh, totally douchey cop. He he nails it. That's what I expect the cops to be like when I say, hey, this, this lady is a psychic and she told me. She told me. She told me about crimes. <laughs> I'm going to give it a four out of five also. Hell yeah. I think that is a... Dude, I had so much fucking fun with this. Uh, It really, really brought me along the entire time. It was very enjoyable. Who do you think it's for? Anyone. People like pottery. Anyone? Uh, Someone who has recently been through a breakup, maybe. (laughs) Someone whose uh, boyfriend died. Might not be good for them. Well... I think that's the person it's not for. 
and probably not for that person. It might hit a little bit too close to home. Mm-hmm. But this movie did well. It did. It did well. We had a budget of $22 million. Mm-hmm. You want to you wanna guess what uh, the worldwide opening weekend was? Opening weekend, 1990, I don't know, uh, 50. $12.2 Nothing. Hey, dude. It's almost half the money back opening weekend. Spider-Man made fucking like a hundred times that much. I'm sorry, a thousand times that much. Okay, okay. Do you want to guess what the worldwide gross was? Uh, I couldn't possibly. I don't know how numbers work. $505.7 million. 505. Now that's what I'm talking about. That's some money, dude. Yep. That's some money. That is some fucking money. Now we've got a letterbox score at 3.4 out of 5. IMDb's at 7.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes is at a 75 with an audience score of 80. And Amazon has it at 4.8 out of 5 with an 87% 5 star, 1% 1 star. Josh, how do you feel about that? Who would give this movie 1 star? A fucking moron. I want to read that review after we're done here and uh, see exactly what it has to say. Now, we do have an Ebert review for this one. I think he probably gave it... Well, read the review. No. Okay. And then okay. I'll tell you that how many stars I think it is. Ghost contains some nice ideas. And occasionally, wow. for whole moments at a time, succeeds in invoking the mysteries that it toys with. I don't think that he likes Patrick Swayze. I think he's got something against Swayze. Oh, he's not crazy for Swayze? Yeah. What the fuck is up with that? I think that was like two out of four stars. Maybe one and a half. It was two and a half out of four stars. Wow. Okay, so he liked it, but he still was like kind of critical because that's what he is. He's a critic. Yes. Yes. And even though Ebert was a little rough on this, the Academy... They loved it. They loved it. This movie won the Academy Award for Best Supporting at Role with Whoopi Goldberg as Oda Mae Brown and Best Original Screenplay for Film. Wow. Dude, and it was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Editing, and Best Original Score. And for Best Movie That Was Inspired by it, The Sixth Sense. Best Movie Inspired by it. Dude, I... I thought the score was great. I was expecting, honestly, a little bit more of the pop songs in it. Yeah, like some contemporary music. Yeah, but the Righteous Brothers was the only one that really I, well, I they knew. got some mileage out of it. They played it like three, four times. They played it. It's so also the loop song on the, on the DVD. And they looped it perfect. Yep. We sat there for at least 20 minutes just listening to the chorus. Of Before and after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Um... Yeah, man. It was it was so much fucking fun. Yeah, it got some awards. It deserves them, I guess. I uh I have a few taglines. Would you like some taglines, Josh? Yeah. I've got four. Right? Number one, you will believe. Number two, a love that will last forever. Number three, before City of Angels. There was ghost. What? That's yeah. the one that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what that means. Number four. Before Sam was murdered, he told Molly he'd love and protect her forever. 
Okay, I understand that one. That's the plot of the movie, but yes. I don't understand the third one. Before the City of Angels, there was Ghost. I, I don't know. Is that like a matter of like telling us how the movie ends? Like, oh, don't worry, he will go to heaven. Maybe. And then up there, it's a City of Angels. Um, I have a better one uh, than any of those, I think. He was having the time of his life till he wasn't. Yeah? That's my tagline for anyone who's seen Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. Trick people. Okay. All right. All right. Now, Josh, mm-hmm. before we get into the trivia I found, mm-hmm. I think it's time for the Swayze scale. Swayze scale. Okay, so we're going to do some math, but first I have some questions for you. Hit me with them, baby. Was there any nudity in this movie? No. Okay, but how about the focus on the butts at, when they're kissing after doing the uh, the pottery scene? That was very sexy, and at one point, Demi Moore does take off her blouse, and she is in a bra. So, <laughs> almost nudity. Kind of zooms in on her butt a little bit. We get to see Carl with his shirt off, and Swayze with his shirt off. So, okay. That's it, like, sort of, but not, we, not we fully. Get, we get a general nudity, but not, no, not nothing too sexy. Okay, so no class stuff. Um, I've got to say, there's no feminism in this movie. Yeah? It doesn't pass the Bechdel test, which is the most basic form of feminism that exists. All those two women talk about is Swayze. You're right. I don't even need to think about it very hard. You're right. I put a question mark next to it so that we could discuss it, but no. I'm trying to think of anything that they talk about that doesn't involve Sam. How what? They aren't friends or anything. The only reason they know each other is because they have a mutual friend. Do Oda May and her sister, or her sisters aren't named. Nope, they don't have names. Okay, so... Um, um, the lady cop. She's not named. Policewoman. Her name was Policewoman. No, her name was Lady Cop. <laughs> the Policewoman and, and Molly talk about how Oda May came over to her house. The policewoman's not named. All right, all right, all right, all right. You want right. this to be feminist because it's about a woman, but it's not. I want it to be. It's about want, a woman loving a man who's dead. I wanted to pass the Bachelor test so much. I just wanted to win more awards. That's all I want. <laughs> Hello, this is the prestigious Jamie Loftus Award for excellence in podcasting. Uh, we didn't have any crazy um, fucking fucking vehicles. No crazy vehicles. No I've horses. also noted no class stuff, uh, no horses, no patriotism, and no dads. No dads. This was not a dadly movie. No one was really taking care of anyone. Um, masculinity. Do you think that that was a major thing in the movie? I think, I think there was a little bit, but it wasn't necessarily toxic mm-hmm. because... Um, Sam was being emotionally vulnerable with Molly while he was alive. Yeah, some positive masculinity. And he was also being, or he was trying to communicate that he was being emotionally vulnerable just in general after he had died. Okay, I'll, I'm cool with being neutral on positive masculinity. Yeah, let's let's leave that neutral because he did have some positive, but it wasn't like overt or anything like that. Um, so I'm going to also make nudity uh, neutral. On this, so together that equals one positive based on my quick math. Four, five. Looks like I have f- six, 
No, five out of thirteen things, which, if I'm not mistaken, comes out to like a like a three and a half or a four or so on the Swayze scale. Swayze scale. I think we can give it that extra point and call it a four out of ten. Four out of ten, what though? Four out of ten flying gymnastic kicks uh, suspended from a window. All right. Four out of ten flying gymnastic kicks suspended from a window. Nice. You nailed it. I've got some trivia for you now, Josh. Okay, tell me some trivia. You've probably got eight pages of trivia. No, I just got one. I oh, just okay. got one. It's, it's pretty pretty quick. I've got, and I actually gave you a few of them already, too. Mm-hmm. Swayze said that the pottery scene was the sexiest thing he had ever done on film. Oh, because it's it's like a dick, like I was saying before. Maybe, maybe it was, but yeah, that was one of the sex, like he had gone on record saying that was the sexiest thing he'd ever done. Well, uh, bet Lisa didn't like that. Oh, hey. If you're Lisa, write in, let us know. Let us know how you felt about that, Lisa. If you're Demi, let us know how you feel about that. And if too. you're Bruce Willis, tell and, us about 12 Monkeys, please. Actually, if you're Bruce Willis, please write in. We have lots of questions about lots of things. We are just talking about Looper. Dude, I want to know what happened with fucking Cop Out. <laughs> like, let's I, let's have a conversation. I want to know what the next town that he plans to buy is following the failure of Haley, Idaho. Haley Joel Osment, Idaho? Yep. That's why he did it. All right. So Swayze has gone on record also saying that he needed to do Ghost for him. You know, like it was for his soul. Um, because he had just come off Roadhouse and Next of Kin, and he didn't want to be considered uh, just another action actor. So, like, this was very important. In the autobiography, uh, it was uh, said that Lisa had to push him really hard to actually read the script more than once. Yeah? Yeah. But after he read it, he loved it. Mm. He was just having, he just didn't think it was the right role for him. Well, like I said, Bruce Willis didn't seem like it was the right role for him either. So, I mean, like, maybe it was just... It felt like it was it was a hard one to cast any way we sliced it, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, you've got to be able to know that you're dead and also imagine communicating with a living person. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Willis can only imagine being dead but not being able to communicate with a living person. That's why he did so good in The Sixth Sense. Because mm-hmm. he was trying to communicate, it just wasn't working, and that just makes more sense to him. And I also found out that Demi Moore not only took pottery lessons to pref- to prepare for this so she could actually do the pottery aspects of it, but uh, she got her role mainly because she could cry out of either eye on cue, which we saw her demonstrate the entire film. Mm-hmm. It was it was almost alternating. Like she was winking at us at times because tears would would roll down her face at opposite times. It was very cool. Yeah, like you'd notice just one eye started to go, and then no, uh, like, shot changes. And the other one very slowly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like like I said, he wanted very much to work with Whoopi Goldberg on this movie because he thought she'd be perfect. And like he said, he wouldn't uh, do the role if she wasn't at least offered offered the option, you know? Like, she had to say no. They could not give it to her kind of thing, you know? I'm starting to think maybe we need, like, a Whoopi Goldberg in our life. Yeah. So that we can channel the ghost of Patrick Swayze into these podcasts. Yeah. She was talking about how, um, when that happened, right? She was like, man, 
well, my friend called me up and asked if I had tried out for this role and I hadn't heard about it. And it was one of those roles that every black woman in Hollywood was trying out for kind of situation. So it was kind of odd that Whoopi hadn't. And then so she asked her agent about it. And she's like, hey, can you check this out? And he's like, well, thing is, I already have. And you're the only person they don't want. Why wouldn't they? That's so Dude. weird. I don't know. And then she said that Patrick Swayze flew out to her to personally try and sell her on coming out to, pre- you know, like coming out to audition. And she was like, yeah, like, are you Patrick? Like, I, Patrick Swayze is here trying to convince me to do a role. And he's like, yeah, don't you want to like, why don't you want to do this? And she's like, I do want to do it. They told me they didn't want me. And he's like, no, I want you. If you want this, you're going to get it. I want to make sure you're going to be able to have the opportunity kind of thing. I thought we were going to get to see uh, her do an impression of him. Yeah. And she kind of did, but she didn't say anything. She just kind of had that steely gaze that he has. And then she turned into him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that maybe that was what sold him on her. It was like he saw her do like a really funny impression of him. That's what I was imagining. So, Josh, I've got those one star reviews from Amazon. Are you interested? Yeah. Was there more than one? There's a few. Oh, my God. I'm sure they're all incoherent. Uh, I did not pay for this movie for the studio plugs from Kevin Moody. Once out of five stars. When I buy a DVD, it is to watch the movie for which I am buying. Shame this damn movie studio for forcing me to watch movie trailers for one of their other movies. And shame them for not giving me the option to skip past it. Wow, this person's really mad about having to watch that uh, preview for Dreamgirls or whatever, right? I have never watched Dreamgirls, nor (laughs) will I ever. But Paramount Pictures made me sit through this five-minute trailer for it. If I could return the movie and get my money back, I would. Oh, wow, wow. First of all, that person's racist. I guarantee you that person's a fucking racist fuck because that movie looks like it's probably sick. Look at the cast. You got Eelman. You, you got the donkey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got Foxy you, Cleopatra. Dude, how can he beat it? Like, it? And they're dancing and they're singing and they're making jokes? Yeah. Fucking uh, one out of five stars from Edie. The audio is only English, not as shown by a custom, customer in the photo. Be careful, and everything is in English and French. The subtitles is only in English. Okay, so... I wish you could get one in audio with Spanish. I have a, I have a statement here. So the, the reason that the Amazon reviews are fucked up is because the Amazon reviews aren't always for the movie. Sometimes it's for the seller um, and the quality of the product that you've gotten. Irish Girl PG says, product not new and damaged. This project was not new. It was shrink rewrapped. The disc was rolling around inside the package, and when I opened it, several scratches were on the place. God damn, man. You're, you're so good at reading off comments that have to do with exactly what I'm saying. Grandma Sue says, one out of five. Disappointed. It's not the show, but the voiceover commentary. What? Damaged she bought disc. a shitty DVD? All the one-star reviews aren't about the movie. Harles Hill, one out of five stars, unauthorized purchase, accidental purchase, unauthorized rental. I found it less than entertaining by Bernice DeFlippi, one out of five stars. We've I watched this secret, movie dude. only one time. We've learned the secret of Amazon reviews. Often they're reviewing the physical product itself and not the idea of the movie. 
kept skipping awful video. Can't cancel a movie once you paid it. Well, that's why you don't fucking buy shit from Amazon. Goddamn, go to your local disc replay and get two movies or get ten movies for the cost of two. <laughs> and have yourself a good day. It's the best, best deal I've ever had. Well, Josh. I think that about wraps it up. How do you feel? Do you have anything else you want to tack in on the end here? Man, nothing at all. Uh, I can only hope that I get dragged to hell like that when I die. I hope so, too. Well, if you want to reach out to us, we're on all the social medias, at Swayze Pod, on Twitter, on Instagram, and all that kind of stuff. We're on Facebook, but we never check it or post it. We just really wanted the name. Um, we're on. Or you can send us an email at SwayzePod.com. Or excuse me, at SwayzePod at gmail.com. Yeah, you know, we don't have a website. We don't have a website. I uh, I think you could get one with Squarespace. Yeah, but we're not sponsored by them. You can uh, you can also talk to us at Letterboxd. I'm at Vincent Troya, and Josh is at Joshua CY. We rate these movies in real time. So you can check up on this there. I think I forgot to rate Stoker. I That's fine. You can rate whatever movies you want to rate. You don't even have to watch them if you want to rate them. You don't even have to rate movies if you did watch them. It's yeah. really a completely anarchaic system. It's it's complete anarchy. We follow this one girl, per, this one person on there who's my seven-year-old niece, and she just... That's the name of the account. It's not Vince's seven-year-old niece. Yeah, it's not my seven-year-old niece. I don't have a seven-year-old niece. And if you did, would you let her watch It Follows eight I, times or whatever? I would show her It Follows. We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he 